From WIS Politics in Madison, you're listening to Capital Chats. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a WISPolitics.com Capital Chats episode brought to you by Spectrum. I'm Adam Kellenhofer, a reporter at WISPolitics.com, here with my colleague Kate Morton in the Madison office to talk about an interview she just finished up with U.S. Representative Brian Stile. He's a Republican of Janesville. And, Kate, before we even get to the interview, there's some pretty important committee-related news with Style, isn't there? Yes, Adam, that's right. Yesterday we found out that Rep. Style is going to be chairing the House Committee on Administration. So he'll be joining his colleague Mike Gallagher as committee chair, and Mike Gallagher is chairing the Select Committee on China. But otherwise, Rep. Style and I touched on a variety of topics, including immigration policy and the debt ceiling. Yeah, so to get started, uh, maybe you could tell me a little bit about some of your legislative priorities going into this new session now that Republicans have that House majority. I think nothing's more important than bringing costs down. Inflation has been clobbering families across Wisconsin, across the country, uh, really over the course of the last year or more. How do we do that? I think we need to do three key things. I think one, we need to address the reckless spending that's coming in, that's coming out of Washington. In particular, over the last two years, we saw time and again, multi-trillion dollar bills or trillion dollar bills being passed by Congress, driving the inflation numbers higher. Two, we need to address the war on energy that we've seen. You gotta remember the start of the Biden administration, he killed the Keystone Pipeline. We've seen movement from the Biden administration. He went and begged for oil in Saudi Arabia. He provided leases to Venezuela. I just think we should be unleashing American energy to bring costs down for families in Wisconsin and across the country. And again, that's not just when you fill up your car with gas. That also shows up at places like the grocery store because we in Wisconsin know it's a diesel tractor that's in the farm fields and it's a diesel truck that's bringing those goods to the grocery store. And then the third key thing we need to do is really look at our workforce policies. In particular, how do we help people who still find themselves on the sidelines get back to work? I think we can do that by addressing a lot of our programs that aren't tied to work and making sure people have the skill sets they need. If we do those three key things, we can have a meaningful and impactful difference on inflation, bring those numbers down and make things affordable for families once again. Okay, good to know. Um, So just going into a little bit of last week, we saw the speaker election. Um, We also saw Speaker McCarthy making some concessions to members of the Freedom Caucus and certain Republicans. I just wanted to ask, are any of those concessions areas of concern for you? Do you think any of them will be beneficial? What is your stance on that? As you look at what played out, I think what you really saw was a family conversation and envision having 222 of your family members over for Thanksgiving dinner and the first order of business is determining who's going to cut up the turkey. You're going to see that conversation. I think at the end of the day, I actually think you see the Republican conference incredibly aligned. It was a conversation really focused in on how we address the reckless spending. There's a lot of frustration about how the House has been run over the past four years under Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And so the rules of the road that we came to an agreement on really, I think, set us up for success to make sure that we're delivering for the American people and in particular addressing the spending here in Washington. And if we're successful on that, and I think we will be, you're gonna see a positive impact on the inflation numbers, meaning things become more affordable for families in Wisconsin. Okay, so getting into some more specifics on that, uh, what is your stance on the motion to vacate the speaker and allowing members to kind of take up votes on that? 
really what we saw is that returning to a, the historical precedent where it sat before. So for years, that it was one member could make a motion uh, to vacate the chair. It's a procedural process. And then the members would once again decide who the Speaker of the House would be. That changed when Nancy Pelosi uh, came to the table. It changed maybe even before that. It just simply returned back to the historical precedent. And so I think what it, what it does is it aligns us culturally to say, what do we need to do to deliver for the American people? I'm not concerned uh, with the ultimate uh, final resolution. I think at the end of the day, uh, it might be to the benefit of the country if we're able to deliver on the promises that I, we need to uh, for the sake of getting our country back on track. Okay, getting into some of the things you had mentioned um, earlier, you're on the Financial Services Committee expecting to be that uh, again. Um, so what are your thoughts on raising the debt ceiling and how do you see that issue kind of playing out over this new session? Yeah, ultimately, we need to make sure we are good on the American government's debts. And so we're not going to allow a default to occur. The conversation has to be, though, how do we get ourselves back on track so we don't continually come to the situation in the first place? The actual debt ceiling is, think about it, if you thought about it in the family context, it's like you spent too much money on your credit card. And now the bill is coming due. Well, you already spent the money. So now you got to come due with your credit card. That's the situation that Congress has been put in from previous Congresses spending way too much money. We're going to have to ultimately pay off this credit card, and that's going to be challenging. But what we need to do is have the adult conversation in Washington about how we're going to prevent ourselves from getting here in the future. That's the adult conversation I think the American people are ready for to discuss the spending in Washington. And we need to get ourselves on a long-term trajectory to be solvent once again so future generations aren't burdened with the debt that's been created by previous, by previous governments. So I guess going back off of that, um, what are some of the challenges you might expect to see uh, over the course of that conversation? Well, we, we could dive into a whole host of policies. We got to put forward pro-economic growth policies so we can grow the economy. We That means more tax revenue without raising rates. If you go back before the pandemic, following the Trump-Ryan tax cuts, what we actually saw was significant economic growth and we saw actual tax revenue increase without raising rates. I'd like to see us return to pro-growth policies once again. I think that's going to be a critical component. The other is we have to address the reckless spending. We've seen in particular the Biden administration run roughshod over laws that have been enacted in Congress. No more case is clear than the actions by this administration as it relates to student loans. The, this administration is looking to try to get to a spot where they're going to add a trillion dollars of debt to every taxpayer in this country. That's roughly the amount of student debt that's sitting out there. We need to have policies that are pro-growth. We need to have adult conversations about the debt that are being paid and ultimately make sure taxpayers understand that when money's being spent in Washington, at the end of the day, they're being asked to be on the hook for those. So on another kind of federal money related topic, uh, funding to support Ukraine has been a big issue. Uh, Speaker McCarthy has said he doesn't want to provide a blank check. So where do you think Congress should draw the line on that kind of aid? I think what you're really looking for is a government that's accountable. Over the course of the last two years under Speaker Nancy Pelosi, we really saw a lack of accountability, not only in Congress, but across the federal government. 
Going back, I serve on the Financial Services Committee. The, it oversees the Securities Exchange Commission. The chairman of that is Chairman Gensler. Chairman Gensler hasn't even come before the House Financial Services Committee in over two years. That's a lack of accountability. As it relates to specifically the funding in Ukraine, I think Americans have a right to know exactly how their funds are being spent. And I think what the frustration has been by many is making sure that we understand that when we're using taxpayer dollars, that we're doing that in the best manner possible, protecting taxpayer interests and providing the accountability to the American people. I think there's been a lack of that writ large in Washington, uh, and that frustration has boiled over and people are ready to, to change course here in Washington. Okay, so some members have advocated for cutting off Ukraine funding altogether. Is that something that you would support? Or do you think it's more of a finding a middle ground on that? No, I think it's making sure that we're supporting the men and women fighting for their freedom in Ukraine. I think the key is that we provide accountability to the American people about how those tax dollars are actually being spent. Okay. Um, going to more, I guess, domestic policy, uh, President Biden recently visited the U.S.-Mexico border for the first time in his presidency and announced some uh, new policy related to border security. Uh, what is your response to that, and what do you think do you think he could be doing more to address that issue? The, the border crisis has been a disaster under President Biden. Now, finally, Republicans come in uh, to the House of Representatives. There's no shock to the timing that President Biden realized he probably needs to get to at least visit the border for the first time. He should be going more often. This is one of the biggest crises that we're seeing play out in the United States of America right now. We need to get our border security in check. You can do that through three key things. One, you gotta provide the funding to the men and women of Border Patrol. Right now, they're underfunded and their morale is low because they're being attacked by folks like President Biden. Two, you need to invest in technology. That's motion detectors, drones, equipment at legal ports of entry to make sure that we are leveraging the work of the men and women of Border Patrol. And three, you need to build a physical barrier, a wall, and especially in key sectors to enhance the work of the men and women of Border Patrol. If we do those three things, we can make a meaningful difference on the border security in the United States of America to the benefit of the country, not only for individuals uh, that are being trafficked across through Mexi by Mexican cartels, but also to address the fentanyl crisis that is plaguing our country. We got to remember, fentanyl is the leading cause of death for individuals aged 18 to 45, killing hundreds of people in Wisconsin. We need to address it. We can do that through border security. Okay. Do you see a path to find compromise with Democrats, especially um, policy-wise with Democratic control in the Senate? I think the American people realize there's a huge problem at the at the border. I think in particular on this issue, I'd like to see Democrats come to the table uh, and address it head on. I mean, thousands of Americans have died uh, as a result of the fentanyl crisis. This is the time to get serious and say, we're going to protect the American people and we're going to secure the border. I think there's opportunities here in a period of time of divided government where people can come together for the sake of the country. Over the course of our history, we've seen some of the biggest deals struck during periods of time of divided government. It's one of the things I'm having conversations with my colleagues on on a regular basis. What are the things we can actually get done over the course of the next two years to help people across our country? Okay. Um, I guess to wrap up, is there anything else that you would like people to know about your priorities moving forward? Anything you want to add? 
I, I think you, you covered it well. We're going to have some really robust conversations about the spending that's playing out in, in, in Washington. We're going to have robust conversations on energy policy. We're going to have to address the rising crime that's been plaguing cities across our country. We see it uh, in Milwaukee. We see it in other communities as well. And so people want to see Washington get to work. We got to cut through the dysfunction in Washington, get this city working again. And I'm committed to making sure we can do that here. Okay, well, thank you for joining me for this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thanks. All right, Kate, thank you so much for doing that interview with Representative Style. If our listeners want to read more about important D.C. news with Wisconsin's congressional members, they can head over to our website at wispolitics.com, where they can sign up for a free weekly newsletter we call D.C. Wrap. That's where we do just a quick weekly roundup of the most important events in the nation's capital. But for now, I'm Adam Kelnhofer. I'm Kate Morton. Thanks for tuning in to WIS Politics Capital Chats, brought to you by Spectrum.